USA Today critic Mike Clark called it a crowd-pleasing pip most of the way. The Washington Post's Stephen Hunter compared it to the most hideously overproduced episode of The Twilight Zone on record, complete with a last twist that pretty much reduces what came before to soap bubbles. And Entertainment Weekly's Owen Gleiberman praised it as an intensely exciting puzzle gimmick thriller, the kind of movie that lets you know from the start that it's slyly aware of its own absurdity, which is why it can then get away with it. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of the game. Reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters. It's time for the game to begin. Oh, I I got a call saying that I was declined for the game. It's on. Oh, okay. I'm doing it. I no, I no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no. Hey Dan. How's yeah. it going? Hey John. Uh John Rad. Yes, Johnny. Uh if if anybody doesn't know this you know we record using a service called squadcast and it's it's like zoom except for it's designed for podcast recording remotely and we can pick our own names and we like to pick names based on characters or actors from a movie that we're doing and the main character in this movie is nicholas van orton so dan has gone with nicholas dan orton and I went with his brother Conrad Van Orton, and I did John Rad Van Orton, played by Sean. The Penn. younger, the younger brother, and the younger um, brother, appropriately not, so. I I'm not sure. I don't recall, and we'll we'll get into this if they establish their age difference. But I don't think so. No, I I it, they seem to have a little bit more than John and I have about five uh five and a half years between us. Yeah. So I think they have a. I think there's a little bit more. Uh, Sean Penn, Michael Douglas could look up their ages, um, yeah. but we don't need to. I, I I would wager ten years. It seems it's, it's like yeah. a Rain Man. It's almost like a Rain Man. Seems age like span, it. Age yeah. gap. But yeah. before we get anyway, into before yes. we get into the game, uh, it's ruined childhoods. It's time. ruined childhoods. Dan, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Well, actually, really just one thing that's not specifically about First Wives Club. Okay, I will mention one thing about First Wives Club. You had mentioned the idea of, of, and this wasn't your like big idea, big idea of bringing it back, but you had mentioned the idea of a, a version of it that was a drag performance. And Dan, when I was looking up YouTube clips for First Wives Club drag, never have I found more search results for anything I've ever searched for. It was a wealth of drag performances of You Don't Own Me, and it was great. Yeah. Um, so, and it was, it, it wasn't necessarily something that just popped into my head in the moment, but it was not necessarily something. Clearly, I did not research it because not that John is not a qualified researcher, <laughs> but I'm sure it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to find First Wives Clubs in drag on YouTube. Uh, clearly, I did not take that step. As I explained to John, somehow I'm not that old. 
I am 43. <laughs> the internet is not brand new. Neither is Google, nor is YouTube. Yet, it is often not my first thought. Oh, and it yeah. usually takes me a couple of logic steps to go. And I just, I, I feel like the thought didn't last up there long enough to to warrant that to go more than the two steps yeah uh yes, another so. thing i wanted to mention is that there also is a south korean television series called the first wives club but i don't i don't know if it's in any way connected to the book movie bet show you know, I that I did happen to see in my okay. in my searchings, my researchings on First Wives Club, um surface as they may have been, and I did not find any more information other than other than that. So It is a drama, I've gathered that much, but everything else I'm finding is in Korean. So I can't do much more investigating, but it's, you know, there's not the like three female characters leading it up. It's, it seems different enough. The one other thing I wanted to bring up is that I neglected to mention one actor who not only appears in First Wives Club, but also the paper. And this is somebody who I notice a lot because he plays one of my favorite characters on one of my favorite television programs. Edward Hibbard, who plays Gil Chesterton in Frasier, uh, he is like a bartender in First Wives Club when Elise is like, you know, drunkenly like complaining about her friends and everything to like oh. the bartender. I'm not Monique's mother. No. No, Angela Lansbury's Monique's mother. Mm -hmm. Shelly Winters is Unique's mother. Oh, that's good. Sean Connery is Monique's mother. Yeah. Perhaps I should get you some coffee. Oh, wait a minute. I take that back. Sean Connery is Monique's boyfriend. Now, he's 300 years old, but he's still a stud. I'm not happy, Maria. And I'm going to get you that coffee. <laughs> uh, it's that guy who's also in the paper... Uh, he's one of the reporters, the guy who says that everything is Watergate. Okay, Dow's up. Trade figures came out at eight. Nothing shocking. But I'm telling you, I'm sitting on Watergate out there. Instead. <laughs> With the zoning commission thing. Listen, if you guys could just give me a couple of city side reporters. Wait, wait, wait. wait. How is it possible that you always have Watergate somewhere? Listen, I'm piss off, Carl. I mean it this time. I got a quote from the commission chairman's ex-wife, and she's plenty ready to talk. Ex-wife? His first ex-wife. Well, there's a reliable source. <laughs> yeah. And then I, he also came across my radar last week. Well, I happened to be watching all these other things. He was also in The Prestige, which is a movie that I watched. And it's like, okay, Edward Hibbard is just everywhere. And this is what I mean about John's detective work <laughs> and his ability to locate people that we 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 may not have made those. I did not make that connection. That is not well. This is who somebody popped who popped up on my radar, but this yet, is somebody is. who's very recognizable to me. Um, so well, I you're, you are you are a, a Fraser to say fan. I would that be an understatement? A I, devotee? 
I do mean, you, you are a, do you, ah, here we go. You stan Frazier. Is that, okay. am I doing that right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just while we're on the subject, uh, one of the actors who is also in the paper who played Phil, I believe is the character's name, the guy who just wants the chair, uh, oh, yeah. Jack Kehoe, is also in the game, 1997. Oh, Jesus, Bernie, come on with the smoke. You know the doctor found nicotine in my urine again? Then keep your dick out of my ashtray. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Management for the building says the space hasn't been officially rented yet. The county recorder has no listing for a consumer recreation service or any derivation thereof. The divers, they're still looking for the cab. As soon as they find it, they'll pull the plates in the van. Oh, Yes. He's okay. uh, like the lieutenant or detective or whatever. I think I know who you mean now, right? And yeah, I was going to I saw I him and I was him. like okay. I was like is that Phil from the paper and sure enough? Okay. Yes, he's a bit more tan in the game is he not? I I don't remember. Is like I mean, a bowl cut? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he has a kind of like a bowl cutty kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, I know exactly who you're talking about so yeah jack kehoe all right yeah well then i i don't have any any one more things um other other than i've forgiven you for putting that clip into the water world episode (laughs) of me and i sixth grade you know i (laughs) <laughs> on my soapbox literally i think i was sitting on a soapbox on the so, set of steam pipe alley okay all right we're gonna talk about this for a second because because first of I all i forgot to mention it last time that's how much i, I it, that's how much it's so been <laughs> okay you had mentioned this brief little psa that you did that was on wor channel 9 new jersey caucus new jersey you know tri-state area television it's a thing called a plus for kids um i forget exactly what the sub segment is called but yes there's kids Kids view View. and there's this there was a show that was on that channel called steam pipe alley that was hosted by it was a kid show hosted by mario cantone who most people would probably know from sex in the city Mm -hmm. uh he most recently at least as far as I'm concerned, was on the Comedy Central show, The President Show, where he played Anthony Scaramucci. Oh, yes. And it was excellent. And uh, I didn't, I completely forgot about Steampipe Valley and that he was the host of that. And also, uh, he was a judge on a TV show that our brother Scott and I worked on years ago. We were just like production assistants on this show. It was Nick at Night Search for the Funniest Mom in America. And he was one of the judges. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's another Mario Cantone connection. And uh, wow. yeah, so so right. So you did this thing where you wore this uh, this yellow sweater and you were on Steampipe. You weren't on Steampipe. You were on A Plus for Kids. And uh, you talked about the dangers of... Uh, styrofoam and chlorofluorocarbons, aerosol spray cans, and their dangers to the ozone layer. And uh, Dan, had you not mentioned that, I wouldn't have, you know, no, I, I made I, it my I, life's I, mission. But you did. I I couldn't gauge your 
anger level because <laughs> I was like, I think that he really hates this. <laughs> oh no, I was exa- I was exaggerating. Um, <laughs> I certainly did not want, and for reasons that have nothing to do with, you know, it's it's like. It's not that I would never show this to my high school students, but oh I don't it's not what it's not something I want them finding on their own. And <laughs> like and I mean like hearing the clip if they happen look like I know I'm on a podcast, I don't use a fake name. Like they can they can they have sure some thing of them Nicholas have. Dan Horton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Um so, but there are certain things, uh, you know, in the past I've, I've shown my bar mitzvah video. I don't mean from the party. I oh mean, my God, have you really? The, well, <laughs> I shared it when, uh, so when I was teaching in the Bronx and just brief tangent here, um, teaching in the Bronx and like none of those kids had ever been to a bar mitzvah. And the social studies teacher was teaching about, you know, the different religions that were being practiced in the geographic region and, you know, was talking about and the kids had to do research on different religions. And I had recently at that at that time converted a lot of the old VHS tapes to DVD. Gotcha. And among those was my actually I, it was I did all of our bar mitzvahs in case did you really you care yeah I'm I'm nah. almost certain that they are yeah at at mom and dad's house um so yeah so I lent I brought in my bar mitzvah video and just showed them a like you know a portion a Torah portion yeah um, now if uh, if they were studying the religion of climate activism then perhaps your appearance on the Steve by Bally set would have would have come up but so so anyway i forgot ab- i for- <laughs> i mean i just i forgot about that i don't I, like until we were talking about waterworld <laughs> and i i hope that you know that like I think I fe- I personally feel like you have no reason to be embarrassed by it because it's actually kind of cool that you were talking about this stuff back in 1989, you know? No, thank you. And uh, that that is something else and you know, sometimes I feel like, well, you know, huh? I I want to kind of walk the walk as much as I talk the talk and I'm like, well, you know, I took that on TV and, you know. Yeah, now if you Not for nothing Channel 9. If you truly yeah. walked the walk, then maybe you would have once stepped foot in one of the meadows you talked about wanting to save. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Okay, okay, I, let's I be honest. Okay, you were you were not only dressed by our mother, but you were probably also scripted by our mother, at least a little bit. There was some coaching going I on. have no doubt that the sweater was chosen to <laughs> represent the sun. <laughs> I have n- no doubt whatsoever. And you know what? I it's not it's like I almost entirely forgot about the, the existence of this thing. It's one of those things that pops up every now and again that's just like, you know, a little like gnat on my memory and I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh, oh right, that happened. And so also at the end of the Waterworld f- oh episode, yeah. I included a little song that I put together of uh, using some of the sound clips from Dan's 
TV appearance. And when I first sent it to him and got no response for like a day, I was like, Dan's going to fucking kill me. Like, he's <laughs> so mad. <laughs> It was, I forget what what day that was at the moment, but it was a There's pretty always busy, something going on. Yeah. Like, I was out, and it was like one of those, if I look at my phone, I'm going to get in trouble. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like, that wasn't spoken. I, I didn't get a warning, but um, <laughs> I it was, it, you know, it was, I knew I had to be on good behavior yeah. and could not. And I was like, this well, is anyway, not the time. I was like, this is not the time for me to get involved. Listen back in this. to our Waterworld episode. If you want to know what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, anyway, no, 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 no. Any, and, I'm glad to know and, I'm forgiven. And, um, you know, please try to avoid to use, uh, aerosol cans, styrofoam, anything that gives off chlorofluorocarbons, uh, you know, especially when burned. Yeah. So let's talk All about right. the game. Let's talk about the game. Dan, about do you another remember younger brother who fucks with his older brother? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, fucks with him, but well, to to the benefit of his, you know, well being, his, uh, I don't know, kind of say he kind of saves him by doing this. Dan, yeah, do you remember? Well, do you remember seeing this back in the day, back in '97? Um, so I did not see it in the theater. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Um, <laughs> I don't, right. I did. I remember it being in the theater. It was fall of 1997. Uh, so many great movies out. Uh, there were a lot of movies that I was interested in. And I, I want to say that I do remember, I think, having the opportunity to go see it. And I think it was a choice between this and A Life Less Ordinary. Oh, yeah. And I went with A Lifeless Ordinary. Which is a cool movie. Yeah. Well, I was big into Danny Boyle after seeing Trainspotting right. uh, in theaters in 96. So I was also a fan of David Fincher's having seen Alien 3 and 7 right. in theaters when they were released mm -hmm. and really being into his style. Sure. E even Alien 3, it's a movie that... I sometimes like to come back to just for the the imagery. Well, didn't um, Fincher come from like music videos? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He did like the uh, Janie's Got a Gun. You know, right, you know it's right, David right. Fincher. Yeah, he did like George Michael. He did a whole bunch of music. Yeah, videos. and you know it's kind of incredible that you know this is somebody who's been doing this for such a long time, has maintained their own style, but it hasn't been it hasn't he hasn't gotten stale and. He's still active, I mean, to this day, but, you know, definitely doesn't always go to the same bag of tricks. Like, Mank doesn't I, look like the, you know, the old stuff. No, no, no. And I did I did watch Mank, and I did enjoy Mank, and I, you know, we'll talk about it in context. I actually did a, uh, uh, a ranking of- A Manking? I did a well. I was gonna fit in Mank, but it didn't really work there. I was gonna <laughs> like you know Mank rank, but I was just I was rating David Fincher's movies because I've seen them all, mm -hmm. and I would say that there there is one that comes to mind when you say like you know he hasn't gotten lazy, he hasn't got gone back to the same bag of tricks. There is one that comes to mind as an offender. Okay. And I guess we can, I guess I, I, we can discuss it now. So um, David Fincher has done some amazing adaptations of novels. 
and I had read um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I knew you were going to say that. Gone Girl. Before, well, no. Here's the difference. So Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, I thought he kept it fresh. I, I thought I loved Girl his with the, version of it. I loved it. I wished I loved it so much that I wished I hadn't read the book because I was like, having read the book, mm. I knew what was coming. And I was like, if this was yeah. like a David Fincher movie where I didn't know what the hell was going to happen, right. I would have been like edge of my seat the whole time. Now, however, Gone Girl, which I also read, mm-hmm. I did not think was a strong adaptation. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was a solid adaptation, and I was bummed that they didn't do the, the rest of, of that trilogy. I thought that Gone Girl was fine. It was fine, but like, there's a scene that's reminiscent of the uh, the White Rabbit scene in oh. the game. Yeah, you know, um, I, I only saw it one time. I don't really remember it all that well. I mean, I, I remember it because, like, it was in the book, mm. but in the book it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, it didn't even come across as, like, she's ripping off David Fincher. It 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 didn't take that on until it was in the film. And there were a lot of things that I felt, in Gone Girl, I felt that he had kind of done before. But that's really, when I look at his movies, even the ones that I don't appreciate as much, like, I mean, I don't know. I saw Benjamin Button in the theater. Yeah, me too. It was it was fine. Yeah, was I good. mean, it, the thing is, it's a movie that people still talk about and reference, even if people aren't really actively watching it all the time. It's like stuck in our th- consciousness because it's just like so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought, well, now it's like you call it, or it's like they call it like, oh, it's a Benjamin Button thing. You know, it's a Benjamin when Button you're situation. Like yeah, like a young, yeah. Um, you know, but to me, it was kind of like, all right, so his, this is like his and Brad Pitt's Forrest Gump. Yeah, so much that it's his Forrest Gump that for such a long time, and I've talked about this on the show, I thought that it was Robert Zemeckis for, for quite a long right. time. Exactly. Because it well, the, just the, has that the feel visual to effects. It. The visual it effects. It has. Yeah. It had the like the revolutionary visual effect, yeah. which I thought like kind of took me out of it. Panic yeah. Room is one I want to go back. And yeah, I haven't seen the one in a long again. time. I remember liking it a lot. I remember. I I feel like I had a hard time getting through it, but I want to. I want to try it again. I've had a hard time getting through a few of his movies. Sometimes, like in. In the in the case of Fight Club, which is my mm. number one David Fincher movie, with Fight Club, I, I, I saw it, it was like a, at least a 10 p.m. showing or later. Mm. I was already tired. This was like 1999, so I had just graduated college, so... I'm sure I was on some sort of I was some sort of something seeing that movie. <laughs> and I'm like, I passed out at one point and it might have just been for all like a minute. But next thing you know, I'm like, I open my eyes, I'm like, what the did I miss something? Yeah. What what did I miss? I love Fight Club. I've gone back and watched it so many times since. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had seen something different and something special when I saw it. My number two is Zodiac. I love Zodiac. Zodiac is great. It's like, how do it's you do? <laughs> well, it's like, how do you do a movie about this, like, still to this day mystery, like serial killer mystery that, you know, just recently in the news, there was, you know, information people kind of figured out some of the 
I don't know, the the clues and it's still a mystery and the movie leaves it in a really ambiguous, wonderful way. And you kind of make your own guesses, you know, is it John Carroll Lynch? Is it Charles Fleischer? Like, who is it? And uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal is used really well. Robert Downey Jr. is really good in it. Mark Ruffalo Mark is Ruffalo. great in it. Like, extremely Chloe strong Sivigny. cast. Louis Sevigny is great. Yeah. And, and I mean, once you see that movie, you can't ever hear Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan again that without thinking true. of that sequence, which, man, that just, it lets you know what kind of a movie you're in for. And I, I felt like a lot of the the tension, that just kind of slow burn tension in Zodiac is a lot of what what really works in the game as well. Mm. Yeah. So, which the game ranks as my number five well, David what was Fincher number movie. Three. Number three is seven. Okay. Because I think number three seven is, is seven. Yeah. 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 Um, and seven is Alien Three, by the way. Um, but no, <laughs> seven because seven was like it was bold, it was ballsy, yeah. and it was. I watched it so, pretty recently. You know, it also I haven't watched it in a long time, mostly because I'm like I don't I'm afraid of watching it, but. Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow are all so good. And the, like the, the relationship between Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt in it. Yeah. Is it's so well done. It's so well crafted and it's such a, a frightening film because it's so much about what, like the core of humanity. Yeah. And, um, and my number four David Fincher movie and this is a this is a tough one. This was a tough one for me, but I put Social Network. I knew there. you were going to say Social Network. Yeah, I put Social Network. That's a, it's a movie that I have a hard time going back and watching again because Mark Zuckerberg and yeah, yeah. not that it portrays him as some type of here as some type of like you know it presents him with flaws, but we know so much more, and there's so much more flaw now like i i I would love to see this i forget if we had this conversation here briefly no not on the podcast no not on the podcast but i i would love to see uh david fincher and jesse eisenberg team back up to see the mark zuckerberg of you know 20 of you know the 2010 to 2020 who's, you know, uh, selling people's, you know, personal information. You know, we've, we've heard all of, you know, we know the the misinformation that they've knowingly spread and promoted and allowed and the, the sketchy legal territory of it all. I think it would be fascinating. And I actually think David Fincher doing just like doing it as a social network sequel Mm -hmm. would be perfect. So but that's where, but that's where we land. Um, you know, Alien Three, A Girl with the Dragon Tattoo at number six, mm-hmm. Alien Three at number seven, Mank at number eight, Panic Room only because I haven't seen it in a while. But I put, I think that's at number nine. Then Benjamin Button is my number ten, but by all means, still a good movie. Yeah, and Gone Girls at number eleven, well made movie. Had I not read the book. And I, I think just had I not had the expectations of David Fincher, not going back to the bag of tricks. Well, and I think that it helps that he's not doing like a movie a year since he started and just like cranking them out for the sake of just like making movies. 
but well, and he's got his he's movies. got and he's also making great TV, right? Mindhunter. Um, have you watched Mindhunter? You know, I was just talking about this with somebody, but I I haven't watched it because my like TV watching time is like at night, and I don't think I can keep watching those right before going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need a cleanser. You you yeah. definitely need a palate cleanser. I've I've watched I I I don't know how many episodes at like five episodes in maybe to the first season just because it's rare that I get to 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 watch it. And you can like there's an there's an ongoing story, but mm-hmm. you really you don't need to watch them back to back to follow. Okay, like there's kind of a different story in each episode they're going to a different place usually usually at least from what i've seen so far but mine and mine hunter really i think picks up from zodiac it's kind of like a companion piece to zodiac it's um similar in that tension especially when they're talking to you know suspects or convicted killers right it it has that same that same feel of of procedure but also that unpredictability and that tension where at any moment something from that very strict procedure could break sure yeah but enough of 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 that of other um, stuff we're 30 minutes in and and here we are not talking about the game <laughs> so yeah, i apologize so- uh, I'll I'll do. I have a very brief synopsis for this one. This is the, I stand is, David Fincher, so you know. Yeah, I this see, this is the kind hey. of movie. This is the kind of movie where like I I can't do a lengthy synopsis because the more you really get into it, the more you have to explain and the more you have to describe and tell more and more and more details. And I figured I'd kind of keep it simple. So, without any further ado. Consumer Recreation Services is a company that offers real-life mega-experiences for the ultra-wealthy. Conrad Van Orten, an old-money black sheep, gives a CRS experience to his brother Nicholas for his 48th birthday. Over the course of a week or so, Nicholas's life is forever changed. Nicholas, who is typically cold and reclusive, is forced to pass through life wondering constantly what is real and what is part of the game. For the first time in Nicholas's life, he is forced to actually live, even if it means dying in the process. So, uh, Nicholas is played by Michael Douglas. Sean, Plan- Sean Penn plays Conrad. Uh, we've got James Reborn in there as one of the, I guess, actors in part of the game. Who else is there? There's, uh, well, Deborah Carahunger. Yeah. Yeah, uh, who's great. She's this character, Christine, who is part of the game but you're wondering the whole time like is she isn't she it's kind of amazing and and we're going to be there's going to be spoilers this movie came out a long time ago so i apologize but it's just going to happen and and what's also interesting is that one i guess major component is that on nicholas's father's 48th birthday he kills himself he jumps off the roof of their like mansion and so him turning 48 is very significant. And I don't know. I think that that's just like a really fascinating quality. And, and as we see at the, at the end, when he thinks that he accidentally slash, well, accidentally shoots and kills his brother Conrad, which as we find out is all part of the game, 
he jumps off the roof of this building and it's all part of the game. He thinks that he's killing himself, though, and he ends up at his own birthday party. present it is so wild it it really is and and as you know his as everyone's you know wishing him a happy birthday and his his brother comes up and and hugs him he says this and i i went back and rewound it because i didn't understand what what he was saying and i eventually had to put on the uh the closed captions Mm -hmm. To see what he was saying, and he goes, "You something. You're becoming such an asshole." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "That's so. It, you you are making such a wager." And it's so funny because he's like, he does have gambling problem in this. Conrad mm, does. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. That's um. So uh, which man? Sean Penn is is fantastic. Sean Penn is fantastic. You know, at the very beginning, you know, he's just such an ass and mm-hmm. you know he still you know he agrees to go to lunch with his brother conrad who i uh, leaves a message for him under the name seymour butts and it's just like you know even though he believes that his brother is a total screw up you know he's an addict he's this this and that um you know he still is kind of the only person that he even cares to see at all on his birthday. And um, I don't know. So it's nice that they have that connection where it's just like, he's his family. It's who he has. It's all he's got. Conrad, what a surprise. Happy birthday, Nikki. See more butts. I'll never get tired of that one. That's why it's a classic. This is a nice restaurant. They gave me a free jacket. I'm sure they're going to want it back. And by the end, you know, they they clearly are so much closer. Uh, and Conrad becomes part of the game in a bunch of different ways. And it's like the commitment of all of these people to do this is really, really incredible. I mean, I guess that's why the people like who do this have to be super wealthy because. Oh, Yeah. I mean, how much do these people all get paid? Like, they they have to set up this whole thing. We're talking thing, like, probably the, about a cast of a hundred people coming yeah, in I and mean, playing these little roles. 
they're all at the party at the end. Yeah. And I mean, Jim Rebhorn is is like it tells him, oh, it's a good thing you jumped because I, w- I was going to have to throw you off the I was going to have to push you. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's so funny because there's a moment where, you know, Michael Douglas kind of pieces together that he's part of things because he sees him on a television commercial for like some toothpaste or something like that. And uh, it's just, which is funny because at first he thinks, he thinks that it's that, that someone's intercepting the TV signal because that happens at the very beginning. beginning. Yeah. Yeah, And then he realizes it. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting. So I, I did a little, uh, did a little reading up and uh, was checking out a review on uh, Collider did okay. kind of like uh in when Mindhunters was going to premiere they did a whole they, they kind of reposted all of their uh David Fincher reviews. Huh. So and they posted a quote from the commentary track on the Blu-ray which I don't have so I did not hear the commentary track but he said this film for me was an interesting study not in human behavior how people relate to each other, what people want from life or career or any of that. It was, what does an audience want or expect or need from a film? My question Hmm. was, how much will they put up with and will they go for 45 minutes of red herrings? Oh, I I saw that somewhere. Yeah. And he noted, I mean, like he's, he openly does not like this film. This is not one that, you know, that he cites as one of his best or favorites. Yeah, I, you know, this is the kind of movie for me where the joy in watching it is so tied to the experience of like what what I'm thinking while I'm watching it. And even though I've seen this a few times and I know how it ends, while I'm watching it, I'm like, so what is it exactly that this, how is this person connected? And it's like, wait, does that person know? And it's like, you know, yeah. you give yourself a few years between viewings and it's like the experience is different each time. Well, yes. And to your point. So for me, I feel like previously I had watched, I don't know if I'd ever watched it entirely in one sitting. Really? I think it's the it's the type of thing where I'd always, you know, maybe watched it late at night, nodded off, or I don't know, for some reason or another, at least since my first viewing, had not really watched it straight through. So I watched it straight through last night, mm-hmm. and I thought that not only do, do I agree with you 100% about the whole process of figuring it out and like, Oh wait, now was that, is, is that part of this and who's in on it? Who isn't, is everyone in on it? What about uh-huh. the maid? Um, Carol Baker, by the way, uh, playing Ilsa. Yes. I, first of all, I mean, I thought it was great and you know, I all due respect to David Fincher, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a great movie. And I think that looking at it now from the perspective of, Mental illness, uh huh, depression, suicide. It 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 very clearly is about the effects of this father of of this father who commits suicide, and his son 
sees it happen. Right. His son watches him take that step. And there are clearly, you know, like ripple effects is an understatement, but it clearly has had a profound effect on both sons. Yeah. And Nicholas just has grown up, you know, cold, you know, cold and isolated. He lives in that giant house. It's just him. Uh, the maid even lives in another, like a guest house. Right. Yeah. She doesn't even live in the house and it's huge. And he, there is, there's so much untapped potential in that angle. And I think a lot of it is just the stigma of it. And, and you see that in the scene when they have lunch and Conrad is boasting. He's saying, I'm not on any meds anymore. Yeah. I'm not seeing a therapist. I remember being here a long time ago. Yeah, I took you here once. No, I used to buy crystal meth off the maitre d'. Oh, really? In college. Which college? Touche. Miss me? As much as that's possible. You look good. So do you. I think I was worried. Worried about me. How long has it been to, since mom's funeral? Two, three years. I thought you quit. I did. It didn't take. Well, you can't smoke here. I'm with you. It's illegal to smoke in restaurants in California. <laughs> Fuck California. How are you? Couldn't be better. Elizabeth? We're divorced. She remarried a pediatrician or a gynecologist or a pediatric gynecologist who lives in uh, Sausalito. That's too bad. I liked her. And what about you? Well, you don't keep track of me anymore? Not since family week at rehab. So it brings you to town, Conrad. Everything all right? Yeah. Need anything? No. Really? No, I don't need anything from you. I just found myself laying naked on a beach near Ibiza, and all of a sudden it clicked. October 12th. Nikki's birthday. October 11th. Whatever. This is for you. You should, man. What do you get for the man who has everything? Consumer Recreation Services. Well, I do have golf clubs. Call that number. Why? They make your life fun. Fun? You know what that is? You've seen other people have it. It's an entertainment service. An escort service? A profound life experience. Sorry. Uh, no, it's all right. You just... Tell me your call. I said I would. No, you didn't. You still on medication? Why would you say that? The gentleman raid order? I didn't mean it the way it sounded. I'm not on anything. I'm not even seeing a shrink. And I feel great. I think that today we're a lot of that stigma is gone. We're much more enlightened sure. and open about the importance of mental health. It comes across as a little bit of a shock to hear that boasting, but then you think, all right, well, these are like, you know, first of all, it's the nineties. And secondly, there are these, you know, like kind of like rich, Isolated men. Conrad is, he might be like kind of all over the place, but he's still alone. 
Right. And also you have to consider they are in San Francisco and, you know, they don't get Fraser Crane's program to, you know, help them with their mental health. Right. No, this is before satellite radio. This is before. Yeah, he just wasn't syndicated there. It's too. Yeah, no, it would. I mean, Seattle to San Francisco. Yeah, no. Um, Right. So, but yeah, and it's like, but also for Conrad, you know, the reason why he stopped taking meds and seeing a therapist is because he had this life altering experience by doing the game. And yes, good point. Yeah, I, I'm not disagreeing that the view of mental health is different now than it is then, or that it was then. Uh, same with medication and therapy, but it's like the game has kind of taken things a, f- a step further than what traditional therapy could do for him. And uh, well, you know, he's still an asshole. He smokes inside of a restaurant, but you know, <laughs> to quote Doctor Leo Marvin, it's death therapy. Death therapy. Yeah, it totally is death Guaranteed therapy. Guaranteed cure. Guaranteed cure. Wow, yeah. So, uh <laughs> Dr. No, Leo Marvin. Yes. So, Sorry, I get I, I I mean, there's I could watch this movie again tonight. I watched it last night. Like I would love to watch it and like really look for like all of the things and try to like dissect it and everything, but I don't know. It's oh, just, you, you could. it's really enjoyable. So uh, one, one other thing that I wanted to mention, and I think that it'd be really fun for people to kind of uh, follow along with this observation, but, you know, the beginning of this movie has the very same, essentially, beginning to the opening credit sequence for the show Succession. Dan, have you seen Succession? Um, I think I started watching the first episode. Okay. And did not. Keep on going. It's great. But it... It is this like eight millimeter like family film stuff from the I don't know sixties something like that and uh, uh, yeah it's like, just like this old family footage but it's with like the you know the the rich father and the you know well dressed young kids like standing and posing in front of the house it is like shot for shot the same. As this and like no one's opening. happy, like no one's no really one's happy. happy. Yeah, and there's like yeah. menacing music playing. Um, oh, this was, you know what? This was pre uh, Trent Reznor, David Fincher. Um, I, I mean, I, I think he did Nine Inch Nails music videos, but I don't think that he uh, was partnering with this uh, was... Trent Reznor in the film scoring world. No, I think Social Network was was yeah. the first one they they paired up on. Yeah. So, um, because I know Chemical Brothers did Fight Club, but uh, actually, to come back to so coming back to the music, the music, especially those single piano notes, very reminiscent, so effective. Eyes wide shut. Very eyes wide shut. Like, well, also, there's a very eyes wide shut tone in the movie, and it's no surprise that Fincher uh, is very much influenced by Kubrick, who, yeah, this is like Kubrick filmmaker. Hitchcock, uh, you know, but like yes. bringing it into the 90s. Although I feel like Very it does have a, a timeless quality. This movie does have kind of like a timeless quality to it. Oh, but if, and, and I, I by have By the way, like Howard whole... Shore is the, uh, the, com- the composer for this one. Yeah. And this, by the way, does, this predates Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, Eyes Wide Shut was probably in the middle of its production at this point, but it doesn't get released until two years later. So. Famously. He, 
Famously, yeah. So um, there were a few movies that that popped into my head as I was watching it. And this is not in like, a oh, he's copying this. It was just an, oh, like it reminds me of this. And it was just weird and random because I never noticed this kind of intrigue that that Nicholas has around CRS is very similar to Total Recall. And mm, it reminded me of when yeah. Quaid goes uh, to Recall for the for the first time. So it reminded me of that. The whole idea of uh, someone pursuing a curiosity that could lead them down a dangerous path. Right. Very much eyes wide shut. The idea of that that really damaged person who walls themselves up and isolates themselves. Um, speaking of Mank, reminiscent of Citizen Kane. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's very openly influenced by A Christmas Carol and the Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. So yeah. you've got all those influences. Oh, and by the way... There is a scene in this where all the phones are ringing at one time and it's really freaky. And I had, and I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm out loud going like, what's that fucking movie where all the phones ring at the same time? And it's really freaky. Lawnmower man. <laughs> Lawnmower man. Wow. Um. So yeah, it, in a really nice way, reminded me of things that I liked about all these other movies and, and characters. And I thought that they were just pieced together uh really really well yeah for sure yeah absolutely there's uh and i also want to read something that michael douglas had said about the game years and years and years after its release and this is by the way the game is a movie that david fincher has gone on record saying that he's not really proud of and i kind of would love to just have a, t- a chat with him about that, but well, I think the stu- uh, I think the studio. I think he had. I think he was having like major fights with the studio on it. Yeah, it sounded like he wasn't really sure where the third act was going and whatever, which I'm oh, that sure was complicated. Said, yeah. But so so Michael Douglas had said, "I think what I'm most proud about is that it's one of the very few movies that you could not guess the ending. That's why I'm such a big sports fan. With sports, you can never guess what's going to happen. Most movies, you get halfway through and you kind of guess the ending." The game, you could never figure out what the ending was going to be. David Fincher is a very talented filmmaker. It was an extre- it was extremely tough shoot. It was very long, a lot of nights. I thought it was really well-made picture, very unpredictable. And I, I talk about movies that I've made that people like. Oh, do you hear that picture when I talk about movies that I've made that people like a lot? And, and it's true. I mean, you know, Michael Douglas, especially in the 90s, was kind of like the king of the thriller. You know, the, it was, he was just kind of all over the place. And he's so good because... Yeah. You can feel the, I don't know, the tension in his body and the confusion and the frustration. And, um, you know, we've also talked about his performance in Falling Down. And it's like a very different version of this, you know, similar character who's confused and frustrated and, I don't know, like needing to find their path. It's really interesting to think about Michael Douglas's career, especially like you said, the 90s. Yeah. And to look at because I feel like he's an actor that maybe some people write off as kind of like a one trick pony, like oh, he always does that type of thing. But when you look at. All right. So let's say Wall Street, he wins the Oscar for that. Yeah, yeah that role. 
similar a Nicol- Gordon Gecko, Nicholas Van Orton, you know, probably would have hung out in the Two same peas in clubs. A yeah, exactly. But like like falling down, defense. Yeah. Um really different. Like you, like the tension is there, but this is not some you know, wealthy, you know, cold, aloof asshole. No. This is a guy who's you know, burning and you know, looking for that outlet and finding that yeah. outlet. And and yeah, he did like basic instinct, disclosure, so the erotic thrillers. Right. That that he did a perfect murder mm-hmm. which I saw it was it was him Gwyneth Paltrow and Vigo Mortensen where Vigo Mortensen plays uh Michael Douglas is married to Gwyneth Paltrow who is having an affair with Vigo Mortensen. Michael Douglas knows about this and hires Vigo Mortensen to kill Gwyneth Paltrow. See, I haven't seen I that saw one. It, that sounds I amazing. saw it on the Warner Brothers lot. Okay. I saw a screening of it on the Warner Brothers lot. It was it's one of my most memorable movie-going huh. experiences just cool. because I got to see it at a Warner Brothers screening room. Yeah. So, and then you look at stuff like War of the Roses, Traffic, uh huh. Where he he plays, you know, he's the, what the drugs are for the, you know, for the president. He's the president's. Yeah, he's yeah, running the war I on think, drugs. I mean, personally, I think he's at his best when he's doing, you know, a role in a, in a thriller like this. I mean, as much as I loved his performance as Liberace, I, it's you know, oh, he was. Good. But yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying is like you also got stuff like that. You look at Romancing the Stone. Well, Jewel I was just gonna say Romancing the Stone. I feel like even though it's you know, a very well-known movie. I just, it bothers me that he's playing that role. I just don't feel like he's right for that. It kind of feels like an Indiana Jones knockoff. Well, Probably it because it was, yeah, yeah, because it was an Indiana Jones knockoff. Yeah. yeah. So it should have been Tom Selleck. <laughs> we all know. We all know. Yeah. All right. Yes. So Dan, I have a question for you. Do you think that you would, how do you think you would do in the game? Oh God, I, I terrible. Ter- I would I would actually fail. They would actually not. They would be like, we can't. This person d- cannot <laughs> handle this. Why is he just sitting down and watching a movie? Yeah, like what all is he day. Doing? Why is he going into? Oh, okay. All right. So he's just gonna like get some snacks and sit down and watch a movie now. And... Okay. Um, just like. Fuck this game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would do poorly. I know that for sure. Would you? Yeah. You think you would? Yeah. You don't think I would? I mean, I don't or know. You I think, don't know you what think I would, would do okay? Well, all right. So, John, here's the... But, he, all right. So, now that I'm thinking about it, though, the game is always different. It's different for the right. person. It's custom So, tailored. I'm wondering. Yeah. Like, he... Like, Nicholas Van Orton is so far gone that his game needed to be that extreme. That is true. I, you know, yeah. Okay, so we didn't talk about this, but there is a scene where when he, like, agrees to do the game, he goes to this huge, like, psychological evaluation and does all these tests. I'm so surprised that he even put up with any of that. You know, his character at that point, I'm I'm amazed that he... He had nothing else to do that day, and it was his birthday, right? I think it was... The day, like, after his birthday, and he 
just happened across the building or like the the office for he them. was meeting he was meeting people but they turned out didn't they, they were part of it be, yeah they were part of it and he had run into the people at the at the, the country club yeah. or whatever the cigar the club. squash court yeah Yes. So exactly. Yeah. Everyone's so fascinating. So, but yeah, the the like psychological evaluation part, which I think definitely has Kubrick nods, especially in the moment where you know they're flashing all of the like film imagery in front of them and stuff. Oh, oh, super clockwork orange. Um, It's great. It's great. It's so well. It's so well thought out. Yeah. So Michael uh, Douglas would have been a good Jack Torrance, by the way. Yeah, I agree. Just Absolutely. throwing that out there. Which is like, not I couldn't see many people in that role, but I could see him doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so as far as I know, there haven't been any other uh, adaptations of this property. I will say that uh, the uh, one other movie has utilized CRS, and that is Escape Room that came out last year. I want to say. Oh, really? Consumer Recreation Services was part of that, which I think is just a nod. I don't think there's any- It was just meant to be a nod. This yeah. is not set in the same universe. What city is that set in? I don't know. But CRS I mean, operates everywhere. I mean- They're everywhere. Uh, w- whatever her name is at the end, Claire, Christine, she is like going off to like Australia to do one. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, what would you do? What would you do with this? What if Fincher remade it? <laughs> like, okay. I, I feel like, so there's this high tech aspect of the movie that I think it's so easily adaptable to tw- to the, the 2020s. Uh-huh. And I feel like what if, would David Fincher do it again with the creative control that he would have now Mm -hmm. versus then now that was one way to go with it another thought that i had would have another another filmmaker because i think when you think about the game you think of the filmmaker so that's kind of where i went and i i thought this would be good material for jordan peele Oh yeah, totally. A, something, a, something with a little more, um, you know, a little different from what he's done before, but not totally dis, totally disconnected. Um, yeah, he, Jordan Peele really does tension well, and that like simmering, slow building tension too, mm-hmm. which I think is really important in this movie. It's what made, it's what made it so engaging not just seeing it the first time, but sitting here last night watching it and, you know, at times like, you know, literally being on the edge of my seat and, yeah, you know, calling things out. Yeah. I think there were a couple of, oh shit. Right. So I don't know who would you cast? Would you keep it as, as men? I mean, I think they would have to be wealthy. Yeah, so, I, unless it's like a like a sponsored thing where like there's some other money coming into it. Like it was televised? <laughs> no, not necessarily. It's like the running man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like if of. there was 
if there was like a catch where it's like by participating in this, you have some role in some organization. I don't, I don't know. I, I did have I did have one other thought. And because the game is different for every person and because the game operates wherever it needs to um, call Noah Hawley. This oh. could be a, a wonderful anthology series. And I think he just did such a magnificent job with Fargo. He could be the Jason Kadams of, uh, I don't know, this type of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. One of my thoughts, and, and this goes back to saying that, like, you know, this movie does have like a timeless feel to it. But it's like, yeah, show CRS throughout history, you know, maybe not going crazy far back, but maybe into the like. 19th century maybe like late 19th century like you know it it could it could exist maybe not at the level that it is in the game but why not they should do a whole a whole season or whatever a whole one where it's 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 amadeus but it's all really the game yeah and yeah salieri is just part of it well also i mean if you take out the like robotic element, then Westworld is, you know, kind of fits into that category where you are role playing in these like crazy situations, you know, in Westworld, at least in season one, you know, people mm-hmm. go there to be part of this, like they choose a package and it's like, you're a part of like the bank robbery thing. And it's a real, it's, it feels real. Um, the other idea that like I had for it. And I'm trying to remember what other things Netflix has done with this, but I know that the uh, that uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt had a like choose your own adventure movie. Oh, and I Black felt like Mirror the, did as well, right? Black Mirror, and I felt like um, the game would be a really good way to incorporate that technology. Oh, applause! <laughs> I'm appla- That's a great idea. That's I'm applauding that because yes, because. All right, so I did Bandersnatch, the Black right. Mirror, like, choose-your-own-adventure movie. And, like, I did it once, and it was fun. And I think it would be so much more fun and engaging with something like this. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, I think it'd be cool. Like, wow, that would be so, so cool. I mean, and cool. and Black Mirror, I'm sure, like, Black, a lot of episodes of Black Mirror do have a similar vibe to Absolutely. the yeah. game. Totally. Where, you know, yeah, what is this? What am I a part of? What yeah, have I done? what is real? Yeah. What is real and what is the game? The game. Yeah. So, Dan, do you want to tell everybody what we're going to be talking about on our next episode? I do, but before I do that, I want to first of all, um, this is our our final episode of 2020, so I want to oh, wish yeah. everyone a, a happy happy New Year. Happy and, New Year! Um, we're excited. Uh, so, it'll, this so, will come out in 2021. This will wait. Yeah. Okay. Well, Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> on the happy other new side year. of that yeah happy new year and or in the trading places merry new year um so and some of the exciting stuff that we have coming up in 2021 in the this new year um our 100th episode and yeah we're we're putting the choice out there we want to hear 
check us out on Instagram at Ruined Childhoods Pod. And uh, in our our Instagram feed, in our, our mm-hmm. history, you will find the, a graphic that is has four four movie posters on it. Dave, Better Off Dead, Big Trouble in Little China, and Earth Girls Are Easy. Earth Girls Are Easy. Thank you. And uh, help we're, us we're, decide what to cover for our 100th episode. Yeah. Right now we've we've got a few votes. I think we've got uh we've got a tie between Better Off Dead and Big Trouble in Little China. Right. With Earth Girls Are Easy uh in a in a close third. No love for Dave yet. No, not not yet. And but that's why we we want to make sure we hear from everybody and we want you to, Cast to check vote. us out there. Um you know, if you want to share your thoughts on the game, First Wives Club, Waterworld, or something we haven't even talked about yet, you could shoot us an email, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at ruined underscore pod. Yeah. And Anything uh, else, John? Check out our merch on Public. Dan, should we make a I was left for dead in, in Mexico and all I got was a stupid t-shirt shirt? <laughs> Made uh, made popular by uh, by Conrad Van Orten in the game. We might need to do that. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, yeah, that'll be an easy one to throw together. Look out for that one on T Public. Just search for Rune Childhoods. Yeah, other so, great designs, but uh, we've got designs for our ninety eighth episode, nineteen ninety eight. We're gonna we're covering. We're gonna talk about two movies because nineteen ninety eight, much like. The number eight looks like two asteroids. There were two <laughs> asteroids heading towards Earth in 1998, and one was going to cause a deep impact, and the other Armageddon. And we'll be talking about them both. It, it reminds me of the episode. thing where it's like, you know, there's going to be two hits, me hitting you and you hitting the floor. And it's like, there's going to be two hits, an asteroid hitting the Earth and an asteroid hitting the Earth. <laughs> An asteroid hitting the Earth with a lot of pondering and philosophy and an asteroid hitting the Earth with Bruce Willis and a lot of shit blowing up. I, you know, Dan, I'm looking forward to this. I am as well. So I'm excited. I'm going to go get my uh, asteroid to work on this. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Dan, as you are uh, cruising through the streets of San Francisco wondering what's real and what's part of the game, I wish you a good journey. Good journey. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it's all about the game. And now you play it all about your truth if you can take it All about your death And if you can pay it It's all about pay And who's gonna make it? I am the game You don't wanna play me I am control No way you can shake me I am heavy debt No way you can pay me I am the pain And I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder Ready to run Like a cleaning bitch From a smoking gun I am the game And I may do So move on now you can die like a fool Try to figure out what my mood's gonna be Come on over, sucker, why don't you ask me? Don't you forget there's a price you can pay Cause I am the game and I want to play
Play it again. 